1: Welcome to the Bear Style Podcast on a Wednesday. We're right in the middle of USC Spring Football, giving update of what we've seen over the past couple of practices. And of course, preview the Spring Showcase that will happen this weekend, Saturday, April 17th at the LA Coliseum. Open to some limited fans and family. We found out about that this week as well. We're going to talk to Keely Yore and get her thoughts on what she's seen out there on the practice field. You can follow her on Twitter, at name. And if you have any questions or comments for our show, we always love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. But if you'd rather leave us a voicemail, send us a text, the number to do that is 424-254-9141. You can also get questions in another way. If you've got that Apple podcasting app on your phone, on your Mac Pro, whatever you got out there, please follow us, uh, follow the Parastyle Podcast, and leave us a five-star review, uh, any kind of comments, feedback, suggestions, and if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you there, too. We'll pop you up right to the top of the list, and I want to welcome in Keely York because I think we got a couple new reviews, and she could read them for us, but Keely, how are you doing today?
2: Hello, hello, Ryan. Doing well. Glad to be talking some spring football today.
1: Yes, yeah, spring football. How? I mean, we talked about this before. How different is the spring pandemic yes. versus and we're not post pandemic, <laughs> but closer to post pandemic. Sure. It's very different. Yes. We got so much stuff going on. There's I mean there's 20 spring sports or something going on at USC right 21,
2: now. 21 either practicing or performing.
1: Yeah, we're watching football practice and like water polo stuff's going on in the background. Uh great, yeah.
2: It's great. I love it. I love being able to see practice again. Some sense of normalcy. It's it's great, Ryan. We're mm-hmm.
1: trying to we're trying to get back to normal. So, yes. hopefully we all. Are. But, you know, it's normal for people to want to review our show on Apple sure. Podcasts, right? Like Great
2: pl- transition, right? Does everyone do that? <laughs> yeah, we got two new reviews. Uh, first one is a five star from Thomas in Malibu, uh, who left us the title. We can't always see the full title, so I'm going to guess what it said, but it said great team covering the greatest, and then it said co. So I'm thinking greatest college football team. If I say so myself, Uh, five stars. Well done. He says, and then this one's hilarious. It's from CT guys who left us a five star review and said, "A a modest proposal. I usually use podcasts as a sleep aid, but yours are too fun and interesting that I stay awake too long. Could Keely sing a lullaby at the conclusion? Sleepless in Connecticut. Uh, well, CT guys, I don't want you to have a nightmare, so no. I'm not going to be uh, singing a lullaby then.
1: Are you not? You don't have the greatest singing voice? No,
2: I did not. I wasn't gifted with that.
1: Me neither. I, and I am su- such a ham. I would love to be able to sing.
2: You're like, a ham,
1: right? I would just stand up on stage and sing all the time. Sorry. I just like made Keeley like, freak out and lose her microphone. <laughs> um, yeah. No, if I could sing. I mean, I I don't mind, like, doing presentations in front of a bunch of people. But, like, if I was singing and entertaining like that, man, that would be fun.
2: No, I always make the joke that you can tell when you're showing up to practice or leaving because you can just hear you coming because you're saying hi to everyone. You're like, hey, man. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I left a little early on Tuesday's practice because I had my volleyball league. And apparently, I'll we'll talk about that. I missed some good stuff, but everyone's good like, stuff. "Where are you going?" Like, and I'm like, well, I got three other people here covering practice, and uh, I gotta go play volleyball. So,
2: yeah, someone good. someone joked with me that we have 16 people at practice, and I said, "Well, 15 or 16, depending on Ryan's volleyball schedule." So. Yeah, there, <laughs> there you really go. Uh,
1: well, before we jump into talking about what we've seen. At practice, which it is fun. It's fun to be able to go back out there and check it out. Even from the the rooftop deck, it's not bad, you know. Up, up. I like that
2: view, actually.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the stretching part where we can film still sucks because it, they're so far away. But besides that, like everything's kind of cool. Uh, I do want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been so awesome to us over the last several years. Literally, was in Trader Joe's about. An hour and a half ago. So I stopped in. Yeah. Prepared
2: for the podcast. My Wednesday
1: Meals on Wheels, I got done a little early. So I'm like, I'm going to stop in at Trader Joe's, pick up some, some necessities and make myself a little lunch before I roll over here to the podcast. We tape it a little earlier than we normally do. So- I've talked to you about like the Indian food before. Are you an Indian food fan or
2: You've taken me. I do like some things, yes. Yeah. You broadened my horizons.
1: And uh the lamb vindaloo, it's just like, you know, little frozen meal in a box. It's great for one person, but you got to accompany it. You get the frozen garlic naan as well, which I love that bread. Ooh, I don't know if you can do I like, can't,
2: but it's good. I know is it. There, is
1: there's gluten in that too? Cuz yes. it's kind of like It's bread, right? I know, but it's like a thinner bread, but
2: That doesn't matter.
1: Mm, it's but it's so good. <laughs> so. And you uh, it literally you pop it in the oven for about uh, a minute and a half. So we have to preheat the oven, but um, man, it just goes well uh, with the, the sauce and everything from like the lamb vindaloo or any of the the dishes. That was great. But I also picked up a little dessert because I do that. Of
2: course, you did. Uh,
1: they're the sea salt chocolate chunk cookies. Oh, and they're legit. Like it's, I think a package of three of them. Uh, they're like three bucks or something like that. But man, I just I had a little glass of milk. Dunk those in. They're, they taste like gourmet cookies. So there's wow. not like the little like crispy i mean those are good too you pop a bunch of those crispy ones but there's their bigger more significant cookie you got the sea salt which usually means business so it's good <laughs>
2: sea salt means business yeah okay and and this
1: isn't like a trader joe's thing but you could pick up are you a white cloth fan or like Trulies? do you like those yeah
2: i I can do that because no gluten there you go there's
1: no gluten Mm -hmm. uh so it's sort of like and i like them having on the golf course i found a new pack at trader joe's so usually there's like the variety pack and they have one crap flavor in them you know (laughs) this one was all good flavors so it was mango Blueberry, strawberry, and watermelon.
2: Blueberry. So,
1: blue i have never seen blueberry, never wow. seen strawberry, but there was no like lemon or lime or whatever. Like those are usually kind of lame. So anyway, but found those at Trader Joe's. So that's cool. What was the brand? It's their white claws, yeah. Oh okay. They're just like, yeah, it was just a white claw brand. But Interesting. I think Trader Joe's might have their own like like hard seltzers too. Uh check drink them responsibil-
2: out. responsibly. What do they say on the commercials?
1: <laughs> yeah, please drink responsibly. Yes, um, 21 milder. But those are I I don't know. Like people are like, oh, it's a I'm like, they're good, dude. I take them on the golf course. You can have a couple of those, and it's just, like, refreshing, and it's, like, you know.
2: No, it's really nice for someone who's gluten-free because, like, you know, the casual drink you have in your hand is a beer, but I can't drink beer. So then yeah. it's, like, okay, pass me the hard stuff, but I don't want to drink that <laughs> at, like, a casual event. So, yeah, no, White Claw saved me on that front. Nice. This became a White glad.
1: <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, it was good. But I like the new box of flavors if you're going to try that. And they have them at Trader Joe's, so. There you go. Uh, thanks again to Trader Joe's. All right, Keely. So yes. We were out there on Tuesday and apparently I left when it got really good. You did. Uh I um watched all the defensive backs. It's definitely you could see when they split things up. The corners, uh just not that many guys out there. I think there was only 5 over with Dante Williams. There was more more significance on the safety side. There was, you know, you know, um with uh Craig Nivers. But it was interesting. I I find like if I just pick a position group and watch them, if you're watching the whole practice you're trying to take everything in. It's, it's t- and you guys are doing that because you're reporting on everything. Yeah, like, I have the luxury of like I'm gonna watch this group today, and I, I feel like you kind of get a, a a deeper dive on things. But um it was I feel,
2: a- yeah, I feel like that's a nicer way to watch practice when you can just like really focus on one group rather than trying to take in everything. There's so much happening at one time that like it's nice to just focus sometimes on a certain guy. Or like Shock and I will do this thing where before a team run, we'll be like I'll be I'll say like okay, I'm watching Brett Neal, he'll be like I'll watch. Can I Malga? And then we'll like compare notes of like oh, what nice. that one individual rep did. Yeah. So you try and get as much info as you can.
1: And so we do have a lot of people out there. So if you guys are, make sure you're going on uscfootball.com. The the notes, the ghost notes that Chris puts together with Keely and Shotgun, It's those are awesome. Like they're, I mean, they're, you're not going to find a more detailed report. I guarantee you anywhere <laughs> on that. Cause we have a whole team out there. Uh, we got RJ Abadia doing some stuff out there too. You know, different reports on, position groups um we can't do a ton of footage um you know at all we'll put up some but it's kind of be the same stuff we did have some
2: punter cam basically
1: yeah i mean i can shoot all the way across to do the stretching but you're basically just seeing the guys doing the same stretching every time so (laughs) we did more when we were in the coliseum because we were closer but it's really hard to focus on any individual when we're about 120 yards away Mm -hmm. um Maybe more than that. So, yeah, yeah. probably more. Yeah, because it's a 100 yard field, 10 end and zones. More, yeah. Plus, yeah, it's probably 150 yards away. Probably, yes. yeah. So, but there's a ton of information up there. So, make sure you go uh, check it out. And we also have the interviews. Um, maybe we'll do that first. So, in the morning on Tuesday, we were supposed to hear from Mike Jenks, the running backs coach, a couple of running backs. Apparently, he had some kind of conflict. So, they did a, a last minute switch. Like, Bring in the right hander, call the bullpen. And Seth Dagey, the new tight end coach, comes in with Eric Kroemanhoe. And uh, I thought it was I thought he was good. I mean, for this is his first time being a full-time assistant. Yep. And uh I like the way he handled, you know, a lot of the questions, the way he handled himself. Um, you know, talking about things like we're not trying to win the spring. We want people to have, you know, the right reps. So it's like if you're if you're practicing three pointers. And you know you're you're bouncing it off your head, and and one out of ten goes in. They don't care that you you got one of those in. Like you didn't shoot the ball right. They yeah. they would rather you miss every shot, but you're you're using the right form. And that's kind of what he was saying. Is like they want them to just you know do things the way they would like to do them. And if if it's successful or not, it's really more about the process, I guess.
2: Yeah, I thought first of all it was it was a impressive. Uh, interview by Daigie just because we saw him basically parking, getting out of his car and getting to his office quickly because he was like the fill-in interview for the morning. But um, I thought it was particularly interesting that we kind of got that mindset and that philosophy of at least what they're thinking about on offense because I felt like on Tuesday it showed how you know they're still installing things. They're still trying to add new wrinkles and so maybe we should hold our judgment a little bit as far as what we've seen on offense because before Tuesday's practice I was a little bit like this is what we've seen. Like we've yeah. seen a lot of this from Graham Harrell, but there were new wrinkles um, and we can't really get into formations and stuff like that, but we did see some new stuff. And so if they're trying to play the long game and, and have Clay McGuire get used to uh, his personnel and have him, I guess, introduce some wrinkles into schemes and whatnot, um, we're starting to see the start of that, I think. So if, if that's their process, I think we at least saw the beginning of that on Tuesday.
1: Yeah. And we, don't know exactly what's going on. I mean, with the Harvey Hyde podcast—he pretty much roasted. If you guys haven't <laughs> listened to that, he roasted the offense. But sometimes you're like, okay, today the the defense is working on like, you know, stunts or all out blitzes or whatever, and like the offense is working on something else, and just it doesn't mesh, and the offense looks like crap that day and it's that's not necessarily a... like the offense sucks it's just like they're working on different things potentially and so like that happens we we don't know what the plan is for practice
2: yeah yet. and that's the thing about um watching a team Go against each other so much is there is a familiarity like uh issue where one side might be more familiar with the calls or whatever so you can kind of key on uh what's gonna happen and so that kind of raised itself on Tuesday because there were some some loopholes or some some trickery on from the offense on Tuesday and the defense was was tricked and so we hadn't really seen that before uh, from this defense and so uh, it made you wonder like okay was the defense kind of familiar with this offense and now when they're actually throwing a new test they have to do some adjusting so this is the first time we really saw the offense get the edge over the defense. So um, that's the thing. It's like you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt because you're not going against a foreign opponent on a Saturday. You're going against your same teammates every single day in practice. So it's it's a different type of evaluation in that sense.
1: And there's some sense of – I mean, if you're a coach and you're preparing a practice plan you know, for the day – you could do things where you're like, oh, the defense is working on this and the offense has happened to be working on something that does really well against that defense, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so you can, there's like, you know, behind the guy behind the scenes, like t- turn a few dials, hit a few buttons. If you need the offense to look a little better one day. So they went from looking pretty crappy on Saturday to looking better on Tuesday. You know, there's probably some schematic stuff going on behind the scenes, some part of the plan that would help that a little bit. And I don't think that's a bad thing. If that's what's going on, you want, both sides of the ball to be confident, and yeah, no matter what, if the if the defense is going to completely dominate, you want to challenge them more too. So maybe you stack the decks against them a little bit to give one side a little advantage to like humble the you know the team that's the side that's doing well. I, I think as a good coach, you're trying to do things like that.
2: Yeah, and this is where I kind of, for once, kind of understand USC's point of view from things a little bit. Not to get all Allen Iverson on us, but it's practice, you know. And sometimes you're going to have to suck to get better. And so if you have guys like us uh, reporting every day on what happened. It might be hard to have that day be like, oh, the offense sucked, but like really they were installing something new or trying something new, and that's what it's going to look like until it gets better. It's only when the whole spring goes by and we're like, wow, the run game did not look better at all. That's when you can take those conclusions. But day by day, it's kind of you have to take it with a grain of salt. But I thought Tuesday was encouraging for USC's offense.
1: And it's funny you mentioned that. like We didn't get to watch practice all last year. And if they wanted to come out and say – Wow, the linebackers were looking great. And then when we see them in the games, you're like, no, they didn't. You're like, what yeah. what was uh or wow, the, the run game or this is great, you know. And now we actually get to see it. So you might hear from them, you might get a little more insight from the coaches because they know what you saw. They know that you yeah. saw. And I think one of the questions. Um, to Seth Dagey was about the defense being ahead of the offense. And that's when he sort of backed off. Like, I'm not going to agree with you on that. Yeah. I, we're doing certain things. They're doing certain things. It doesn't, it doesn't mean the defense is you know better right now. So I, and I, I think what he said, it didn't come off as excuses or it just, it came off. Oh, okay. You know, that makes sense. And, yeah. you know.
2: I also just feel like the offense for some reason just feels like it's more in an in influx than UFC's uh, defense this spring camp just because the wide receivers it's just not guys who have chemistry with Keenan Slow. It's like you're just now having Drake London get that chemistry back with Keaton Slovis. Brew McCoy finally came back to practice on Tuesday. Uh, he was going through the acclimation period, so he was just in a jersey and shorts, but he was running like a man who was angry that he yeah. missed the last uh, two weeks of practice. But l- those are key guys who make the offense run more smoothly. So uh, I think they're, and then just trying to figure out the offensive line. That's just a new wrinkle that who's going to be that left tackle, which we heard there would be more mixing and matching. We have nope. we've not seen that. It's just Cortland <laughs> Ford, yeah, at, at first team, left tackle. And so it, it made me kind of wonder this week is this something where they kind of know that they're going to go to the portal? Like, you wouldn't mix and match if you're like, okay, we know we're deciding between Cortland Ford and Casey Collier. Like, I part of me is like, okay, are you just waiting for the portal, like another enrollment period in summer? I don't know, but it, it made me think about it because, yeah, why mix and match? And then not do it, or say you're going to mix and match and not do it.
1: Yeah, that that's like if this was last year, if it was last fall, then we'd be assuming that there's other people getting reps, and we can see. You're like, nope, it's still yeah, it's still Corlin Ford, uh, which is fine. I thought it would been a weird to mix and match before that, like you're kind of getting ready for the spring game. Sure. If they were doing the spring game at the end, then you do oh, you did two weeks of Corlin Ford, maybe two weeks of somebody else. Yeah. You know, at this point, I think you want you know you well he's probably going to be working with the first team let him work with those first team and see what he does in a scrimmage kind of situation
2: yeah it makes sense but I'm just going off of what we were told I mean we've we've heard that both from Graham Harrell and Clay Helton which it makes you wonder okay what were we told in the fall (laughs) we can only have pressers and and what actually happened in practice so
1: I think a lot I think a lot was sure
2: uh, sure yes
1: it's uh yeah but overall I think it I mean it was a, a a step up for the offense uh on Tuesday I'll get my DB report. Britton Allen is uh making some plays yeah. at safety. Uh he had a couple of picks I think uh at yeah. least the the, the 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 periods I saw and but it looks like after I left things got really it got heated. Interesting. So what yeah so they saw me walk out and they're like oh we're gonna <laughs> get like, real excited
2: ryan's like, gone let's make this interesting <laughs> <laughs> no um so they didn't do the trojan drill to start practice but the weird thing did you catch this at the beginning of practice they had the coaches switch position groups so like vixoto was working with i think like the tight ends mike jenks was working with the defensive linemen yeah uh the linebackers were going through like the running back tunnel thing you know what i'm talking about It
1: was a, so they so it wasn't it was there was a rotation though. It was like the offensive players went with the defensive yes. coaches and vice versa. But yes. that each of them had a station, so it might be some kind of ball security drill. So yeah. it was like for the DBs, they'd have to run through pads trying to get the knock the ball out. And uh, yeah, so it was weird. And so they all, each you know group like linebackers, defensive linemen, DBs, they went through these three stations run by like Graham Harrell ran one. I think Colbert and uh, yeah Jinks might have ran the other one. Yeah. But they, yeah, so there's like different kind of like ball security drills, but you were getting coached by
2: a different yeah. yeah. And so then like it was the a wi- neat wrinkle. Yeah. yeah, and the wide receivers were doing tackling drills. Like it was an interesting switch. And um apparently it was just so like the players can kind of get to know the other coaches on the team and also just get some valuable skills. So like, hey, if you ever do have a ball in your hand as a defender, yeah. you'll know what to do with it now. So I thought that was just an interesting switch. But then, you know, after that, that was kind of like the only real interesting thing of practice for a while pretty much yeah and it had the potential to be like a normal clay health and practice where it's just like ho-hum you know they do the reps they do the thing and that's it and then suddenly um they they do this like drill it's four on four and so you have like a a ball carrier and three uh blockers and then three defenders and one guy in the backfield um it's like a modified like trojan drill i don't know how you would describe it and uh they it was only four reps but, man, was the team into it. It was intense. They put the ball on, like, the two-yard line, had the guys run through and try and see who won. And and they were intense. Like, at one point, they were, like, clapping before the ref. Like, <laughs> And the thing was, is it was very organic. Like, it felt like um, the players really wanted to beat each other uh, in a very good competitive way. I know uh, Chase Williams was like, take this stuff personally. And stuff was not the word used. But, nice. yeah, so uh, that was really – I thought it was – a good team bonding moment, but also just instilling physicality. And then after that uh, little drill thing, Clay Helton used it as a moment to say like, Hey, we're going to go into red zone situations and this is, this is it. Like, this is where you show if you're tough and like, if you, you know, just like normal football speak. And so I thought the practice was designed well, where you go from that high energy drill, where everyone's kind of screaming at each other, right into red zone, where you're putting the ball in like the five yard line and being like, go, let's see who wins, you know? And so that, that energy carried over, I thought the offense played pretty well in that portion, which I wasn't expecting <laughs> from what we've seen so far yeah. in camp. And so they actually played well. Um, I can't really get into details because we're not allowed to. So yeah. um, new wrinkles, new stuff we saw. The defense was definitely tricked at certain times. And we saw Jackson Dart um, have some special plays. That was something where you're like, okay, he kind of took a step forward on Tuesday's practice. So that's something I'm going to watch for to see if he builds on that. So it was it was a very lively, competitive uh, into practice, and I mean, I've seen almost every single Clay Elton practice, and that was definitely one of the best I've seen. So, yeah, it was it was cool to see for sure.
1: The uh, you mentioned Jackson Dart. I was watching the quarterbacks early, like well, I was focused on the DBs, but then they would sometimes just like going through special teams drills, and I'd watch the quarterbacks for a while. And uh, I was you know, just looking at the way all the guys threw the football. Um, I mean, there was just so many tight spirals. They did one just like they would do these drills. They would throw like it over the shoulder. One of the quarterbacks would go out on the sideline and just kind of hold his hands. You can't see me, but hold his hands (laughs) up over his left shoulder. And then the quarterback would be throwing it, you know, from, uh, you know, deeper and then kind of try to put in this basket that the other quarterback would be holding. And Keaton Slovis was, you know, after he threw, he was like holding his basket out there and Miller Moss, like, Slovis didn't move. Moss put it like shoulder, 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 you know, and like Jackson Dart did it. And I don't know if Miller was just moving, but there they weren't like in the, it wasn't as accurate. It wasn't in the same spots, but all of the guys, Mohassad, they all looked like they were throwing like these tight spirals. And uh, I was just really impressed. And once they started getting into like some of the one-on-ones, there were some picks, there were some good plays by the DBs. Um, but the, overall, I think, they just look pretty comfortable throwing the football, and I, I feel like that's. I think Seth Day was asked about that a little bit too, because he was you know working with the quarterbacks, and yeah, you know the first couple of practices they, the young guys might have been deer in headlights, but now they they seem to be finding their own. And day by day, you know each one are, they're going to have some good plays, they're going to have some bad plays, um, but that's you know kind of expected. But I would say looking at it, both Dart and Moss, uh, they both look like they can you know. If they had to be thrown in there to play, I mean, I, I don't think you'd be disappointed with either one of them.
2: I think it's early, yeah, but I think they're they're definitely taking strides. Uh, forward I thought to your point about the interceptions and whatnot there was it's worth noting that there was a ton of wind at practice they were throwing into the wind and sometimes the ball would just die and so I think they tried to adjust for that as practice went on but um, I thought Dart did a really good job adjusting for it but I thought yeah I thought we definitely saw a a step forward from both quarterbacks and I just think it's interesting how they're still rotating Mohasan Miller Moss and Jackson Dart in that second team role because I like seeing every guy with a second team just to see what that looks like and so it's good to see yeah
1: So those were good. And you'd mentioned before, I I think, does it matter if like the offense had a bad day? I I think the way that they're practicing, it feels different. And that's kind of what you're trying to build in the spring. If, If a rep didn't work out, if a guy fumbles the ball, they throw a pick, whatever it is, I feel like the intensity has been ramped up. I feel like there's more physicality there. And that's more of just like the how you're getting there. I just like the way of how they're getting there. Maybe they come away and the, the the short you know yardage run game just never materialized throughout there. But I think you're trying to build on that by being more physical, running some of that red zone stuff. And yeah. I think that will pay dividends. So I, I wouldn't get too tied up in. This guy did this. This guy did that. Whatever, but I, I feel like the way they're practicing is going to prepare them better than what we've seen from other spring practices.
2: Yeah, overall, the, I feel like the train is headed in the right direction, if you will. Um, I just think there's just a different level of physicality, and we talked to Aaron Eric Cromanhook on Tuesday, and he said as much. And he's like basically a six-year senior at this point, and he said, "Yeah, it's one of the most physical uh, spring camps I've ever had," and you know that might be. Player speak because he's sure. speaking in front of his coach so what is he gonna say no it's not um, but I, I definitely think that it it seems organic like uh, it's not forced and it's not one of those things where they start off strong at the beginning and then die out you know sometimes I felt like spring camp was kind of like okay let's go let's get this over with you know like let, let's go through the motions let's get some stuff done and then let's get out of here but it doesn't feel like that like they really enjoy being out there and maybe that's a product of Not having a spring camp, you know, and having this weird pandemic where you are like, hey, let's actually really take advantage of this time to really grow our team and instill some culture things that we didn't really get a chance to in 2020. So
1: That's a good point. You know, people are going to ask, like, well, it's great that they're having this physical, intense spring practice. Like, where's that been the last five years? Yeah. Well, yeah, you have new coaches that are, you know, I I think Todd Orlando has to be a big part of the reason why, for sure. Yeah, that's the attitude that you want from one of your coordinators. But your point is good, too. You know, you miss it with the pandemic and maybe, you know, hey, you know what? Maybe we took this for granted or whatever. You know, I don't know. But don't disagree with any of you they are saying, where has this been? It should be that way. Yeah, no, um, for sure. It does feel. It does feel different to me.
2: It feels different and we always have to put the disclaimer, hey, they could have a great spring where they're bashing heads and then get to fall camp and they're... In jerseys and shorts every day, and, and walking around, which I don't expect, but you know, it, we have to see it transfer over. But this is definitely a change, and I it makes you wonder, okay, what would have 2020, the fall season look like if they did have a spring like this? You know, I think it's encouraging for USC fans that they're continuing that mantra of being physical and and tackling and whatnot because they could have just been like uh happy with how 2020 went. You know, all things considered, and then just kind of rested on that. But I feel like they're still trying to push it. So I mean, I feel like the defensive staff is leading the way in that sense and eric croman said as much as well so i mean it seems like they've talked about it a lot but spring is where culture is made and it, and it seems like they're really trying to to beat that in this spring
1: yeah i mean when todd orlando said that it did make a lot of sense sometimes coaches will talk and you're just like it's the peanuts you know when the adults are talking like wah 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 wah, <laughs> yeah. wah that's probably before your time but if no you're aware, i know
2: i get that reference yeah uh
1: sometimes that was that and i felt like it was genuine from todd orlando they were saying like hey you know Again, should he have to change the culture? Like, should the culture have been better before? Yeah. Yes. But he was coming in to try to change it. And the way you do that is these off season practices that they didn't get to have. So mm-hmm. it's about installing what you want uh, you know, from your unit. And he wasn't able to do that. So I, I feel like he's sort of making up for lost time. And I, I you know, I take him as word. I I felt that was genuine what he was saying. And you're seeing it. You're seeing that like this looks like different, you know, a different. Kind of feel to practice, so I get what they were saying that we're doing this differently. We're changing the culture of the team where last year it would have been hard to do that because they didn't have the offseason to work on.
2: Yeah, you're sitting behind a computer screen. Not much physicality you can zoom. you can uh, instill through that. Yeah,
1: he so. doesn't like practices like out there with footballs and jerseys and helmets on. That doesn't count. Like, what is a zoom? Like, that's not, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's a great point. Yeah, <laughs> so. like,
1: if that if that doesn't count when you're out there running around and like you know getting somewhat you know and I physical with some guys but not just not having pads on then yeah zoom is not nowhere close
2: it's funny because i kind of have to remind myself sometimes that this wasn't a f- like this staff didn't come over from a different place like these were all different parts i mean besides uh orlando and naivar like vixoto has the same exact mentality as the other defensive coaches and i think it's just a really good organization of guys who really have the same mindset you know i think that helps as well is that you don't have a weak link coach kind of lazily coaching or doing something like that like they all seem like they're pushing their guys hard and 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 are trying to instill that physicality so
1: yeah they had uh they had that before a little bit but what some guys taking some time it off was, maybe or
2: i will just say that it didn't seem like a full united group no on defense
1: But, yeah, this does seem a lot better. Yeah. Well, so Saturday is the spring showcase. We mentioned this. I think it was breaking as we were doing the Harvey Hyde podcast on Monday. Did
2: you play the little drop? I did. Oh,
1: nice. did the... You uh... don't
2: have to do
1: (laughs) it. It's an open spring scrimmage. I did get an email from a non-season ticket holder. And I don't know if the season ticket holders have been informed yet. I don't know either. Uh, I haven't seen it, but basically... It's going to be friends and family of the team, which I think makes sense. The parents have been yeah. jonesing to get yeah. out. We hear I from feel all so those bad parents. For them. Yeah. They want to see their kid play. They text us like, "What's going on at practice?" Whatever. Um, which don't blame them. They'll be able to watch, which is great. And you know, there will be some fans allowed, but they're they're starting with the season ticket holders. I don't think they're going to get to anybody else. Um, but was it five thousand? Five thousand yeah. people. Which you know hold 77,000 I think you can do that pretty safely when you're outside yeah, and I, think uh,
2: so.
1: I don't you know I got no issues with what they're doing there so I think it's cool there'll be a, a fan element when you talk to a lot of the players they enjoy it when people are watching and <laughs> yeah I mean, you know it's sometimes fun like sometimes you might get nervous or whatever but it's it helps you I mean if you're you're gonna be playing actual football games in front of people this year so Practicing in front of people makes some sense.
2: Yeah. I mean, the last time they played against USC fans that were not friends and family was the 2019 Holiday Bowl, which seems like a lifetime ago. Wow, yeah. So, I mean, I think it'll be fun for them just not just to hear organic crowd noise. I think that will be big. I mean, for us, too. Like, we've only heard canned sounds <laughs> over the last yeah. year. So, that'll be interesting.
1: Going to games last year just some of the sound like it was always just weird sounding you know like
2: there was always just like this eerie echo like i always i always will go back to this but the first game it was kind of overcast and they went back in the locker room after warming up and that's usually when the band takes over and it was just quiet it was just the echo of of music in the coliseum and it was like this is weird yeah
1: but, it's almost like a horror movie or something. <laughs> yeah a little like, bit what little is bit. going on but we will see some fans out there and we will see They've already announced four 12-minute periods. Um, There'll be a Cardinal team. There'll be a Gold team. Sounding more spring gamey than what we 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 originally were. You know, the showcase. Uh, Man, Coach Harvey Hyde hates the showcase. He says it sounds terrible. Like he just thinks, like, who came up with this? A marketing guy. And it really stemmed from the sanctions. Like that's sort of when they've been doing this. So. I think that you've been waiting a while to, like, break free of that, and uh, maybe this will be the year where it's just like, yeah, just go out and have a spring game. you got, you got like, 20 offensive linemen out there. Like, usually it's like, oh, you only have, like, eight offensive linemen. Guys are going to be running back and forth. Like, no, dude, you got plenty of offensive linemen. You can make everything else work. Go for it.
2: Yeah, I, we will see. It's such an easy slam dunk for fans. Like, just do it. They'll be happy. Well, I don't know. At this point, I don't know if you can please USC fans, but I think if you tr- at least try to do a game, people will be pleased but i think there's a part of it too where before i don't think they were confident enough to go out there and be like hey this is us please evaluate us in spring you yeah. know and so i wonder if now they're like hey we're confident in what we're doing come watch us and see how we're improving who knows because it's
1: going to be on the pac-12 network uh yes. live it was two years ago and like they didn't show anything like it was like the worst one of the worst practices if you remember
2: <laughs> well we did see the drake jackson uh tip interception to himself true yeah that was that good. was the one thing from that day yeah but that's the thing is like they're very uh what's what's how's how's the right way to describe this like for example shotgun was taking notes on his phone on tuesday on the ledge and he barely had like the top of the phone up so like apparently the coaches called over to the sid and said hey put your phone down because we're we we think you're filming something so they are very very paranoid in that sense, which I mean, I understand if you're working as hard as you are, you don't want anything to leak or get out. So I think in that sense, you can. It's going to be pretty vanilla. You're not going like, to, because you know, every team in the conference is going to want to watch what they do. So
1: yeah, I'm just you know, the the trend towards like football is a bunch of state secrets. I got an email from so for our podcast of champions, little plug. Uh, we're doing some <laughs> spring football updates. Yes, and I got an email from. <laughs> actually i got it up here from a utah fan he was kind of giving uh the spring football report um so he was talking about uh kyle whittingham and how secretive he is and he's like um he's so yeah so he was saying that he's like uh he goes they blame COVID, so they didn't have any uh, observers going to practice and they said they blame COVID. But frankly, if it were up to Kyle Whittingham, the games would be played in secret. And he would just tell everyone the final score <laughs> after the fact. Like, wh- I don't get that. Like, you're, it's football, you know. And it's
2: trade secrets, Ryan. It's, Competitive you're, you're playing games.
1: That, that, I mean, I think you think too highly. of your, Like, if you really think that, like, <laughs> this is, you know, if someone doesn't see this play. I, Pete Carroll was as confident as anyone. He's like, I'll tell everyone what we're doing you could see it like the Oklahoma media kit were allowed to come to practice. And he goes, I don't care. Like you, yeah. you're not going to stop us. Like you, you you know, it's not like it, the, the, you know, the advantage we have is that there's a secret that you don't know about. Like, I, I don't think that's football as much like football's being tougher than the other guy. Sure. And like, Yes, there's some trick plays or whatever, but like if you just don't even want us I mean people to see anything, I I just never bought into that.
2: Yeah, I mean I completely get that. And that was kind of the point I was making earlier is how confident are they in like, hey, we'll we'll show you where we're at right now and you can see it, but who knows? I just know that USC is always a little this era of USC is a little secretive.
1: Yeah. And I mean that's definitely the trend, you know. Yeah. Um you know, most places wouldn't let you go film or watch Summer workouts and stuff. USC back in the day, like encouraged it. Then they've, you know, backed off on that stuff. I'm that like was d- that was definitely fun. And uh, but I think if you're a team, it helps you. I mean, we were talking to the coaches on the P. Carroll staff. They knew like a site like ours has all the recruits are on it because they want to see where they're ranked and all that stuff. Yeah. When we're showing their players in the summer, having fun, doing seven on seven, one-on-ones, and all that stuff. They knew the recruits would watch that. It's and free so advertising. It, was, it definitely was, and you know, so there's, you know, it uh, just being super secretive and not letting anything out is not, um, you know, that's not without risk. You know, you you could be losing a, a lot of opportunity to showcase what your guys are doing, and yeah. and to be honest, you can stand out because most people are pretty closed minded about this stuff, not letting it out. Yeah. Um. Well, what are you looking forward to seeing hmm. on Saturday? I, I feel like. They'll split up the veteran uh, quarterbacks, and then the you know the two freshmen. So they'll probably be on there. They can yeah. split up the offensive lines. Um, there's plenty of offensive linemen. You know, the first team, second team. <laughs> you made that point. <laughs> yeah, a whole bunch of times, uh, which is always like an issue. You know, and, yes. and just kind of split up the defense. They, you know, you might need some help with the cornerbacks a little yes, bit. Yes, you will. Um, but you know, I think in general they'll just kind of split up and let them. Compete. I, I, I think it's going to be a pretty fun one.
2: I'm excited to just see the line play for sure. I think the defensive line has been intriguing this spring. I More guys have stood out to me than I expected. And then just seeing the offensive line full go. How does Cortland Ford look with real pressure? I mean, he's gotten real pressure before, but like in a game like situation like that, uh, or what we're expecting to be a game like situation. We hope. (laughs) Um, So definitely looking for that. I just have this feeling in my gut, Ryan, that some freshman quarterback is going to do something. And since everyone's going to see it, that's going to be the next, like, why isn't this guy doing X, Y, and Z? Why aren't they playing this guy? You know what I mean? Like it's going to be one flashy play that everyone's going to over read into. And, that's just what happens. So
1: <laughs> I think that. a favorite could be picked here because th- there was people were like big on Miller Moss, but he was like the second quarterback to commit. But then Jake Garcia drops, yeah. and so Miller know. becomes a guy. But then you get Jackson Dart, who was actually playing high school football his senior year. Senior
2: year blew up.
1: Blew up, and then he become and oh, he's pretty athletic too. So then he becomes like a a favorite, sort of like Moss was before. But now that it's going to be on the Pac-12 network and you're going to see this, like if Miller Moss makes some crazy play or Jackson Dart makes some crazy play, they're going to be like the fans will just like latch onto that, like you said. And yeah. So I feel bad for either one of those guys <laughs> if one of them has a bad day. Yeah. Because the other one will probably become the fan favorite.
2: Yeah, because people just extrapolate the one practice and just make it the thing. So yeah. I'm curious who that will happen to. Um, and I, I'm probably a pick. There's gonna be someone who with a pick that feel really like play him. You know, there's always, there's always going to be those little plays. Like, um, who was it on? Who's the safety who transferred to Florida uh, or Miami? Um, Jamel cook oh, Okay. And, yeah. in spring when he had all those plays, like, and everyone was a big Jamel cook fan. I feel like something like that will happen as well, but no, I, I'm just excited to see how they put this on what it will look like and if brim mccoy will be full go i believe he will be because this will be the acclimatization period two practices tuesday thursday saturday yeah it's tough asking him to do that uh first full pads on saturday as a spring game but i think he can do it um yeah
1: it, it was good to see him catching some passes and you know kyle ford is out there just doing the individual drills we talked about him before but they were Throwing the ball back and forth, doing like some one-handed catches and stuff. It was cool to yeah, that was nice to see him, you know, do stuff like that. I uh, wish we could see Cal Ford out there, but if you do get Brew McCoy back for the spring game, uh, I think that will definitely add an element because there, you know, there's there's some issues with cornerback depth for sure, but there's also issues with uh, receiver, you know, depth. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of bodies out there, more certainly more bodies than you have corners, um, but you you know, it's sort of a lack of the star power outside of drake london who yeah. had a little bit of a scare i think on the one-on-ones like he's, he made some freaking ridiculous plays with, against great coverage yeah uh but then the one looked a little off and he just got banged up it seemed like
2: it looked like he twisted his ankle a little bit or something happened like it was a leg injury type thing and he kind of hobbled over to the side of the the field where the wood boundary is and like slammed the wood uh fence and then kinda of hobbled over to the table, was was looked at and then came back yeah. a couple of plays later and, and played. So that was that was something that looked like, oh shoot, USC's down another wide receiver. This is not good for their depth. But he came back. But you know, I I think it'll be interesting to see if fans can pick up on the camaraderie that I think we've seen so far. Because in games, you can't really see that as much because like they're so focused on their opponent. But like here in this situation, you can kind of see where they're kind of fighting against each other and, and teasing each other a little bit. So I'm curious that will that will show on
1: Saturday. Ah, I think it will. I, I mean, just having USC fans in the Coliseum is going to be unique enough. That's gonna be crazy. It was very unique to do things like cover practices in person. This is going to make it feel like a lot more normal, I think, For sure. just being out there yeah. and uh, checking it out. But yeah, one o'clock, uh, Pac twelve Network. It will be live, or you live. can come to the Coliseum if you are a season ticket holder. And hopefully, they. I I don't know if they've sent out the notices, but you know, hopefully, you get that in time and are able to come out and uh, check out the team. You know, I'm 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 sure you've heard from parents too, Keely. They're they're <laughs> yeah. very excited. They're uh, very
2: very excited. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um. It's
2: understandable. You know. Hmm. What, That yeah. they're excited. <laughs> oh yeah, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I mean,
1: you want to see your kid, of course. Play I and mean, my uh,
2: parents watch my horrible volleyball games. I can only imagine if <laughs> they had a D one <laughs> football player, they would definitely want to see could.
1: that. I think I think Krumenhoek mentioned um, that like in Arizona last year there were some fans because they had family members yeah, that were, were allowed to come. So there were. Uh, so that was some you know little uniqueness there. Like yeah. so this will be the first time since then, right? That yeah. Really, any kind of people spectators. in the seats? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. But like, for as far as like actual USC fans, not related to the team, this will be the first time since the Holiday Bowl.
1: Yeah, which is good. How did that go? I don't remember that one. Is it the, the Holiday Bowl? The Holiday Bowl? <laughs> oh, <laughs>
2: goodness me, Ryan. Sorry, that was just a <laughs> just a troll. We're that was troll.
1: It was that was such a bad game. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Why are we mostly, bringing that up? I don't know. You brought it up twice, so I had to like think about
2: in the fan context.
1: Right, right. But I don't. It's like yes. I don't ignore what happened in the game. No, true. I know I some. Know. Some will. Oh, probably spicy. should. Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: No, I remember being like, "Can I go home at like the third quarter?" <laughs> oh, and that's, the, that's the worst place to cover. A game. I hate
1: Qualcomm so much. bad. <laughs> Has it been torn down yet? No, it's still there. It's huh?
2: Still there? She's still there. Just
1: tear it down, God. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that's uh, pretty good recap and preview of what's gonna we're gonna see this weekend why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer some questions back in a minute
0: I want
2: to go back to normal.
0: What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil, has returned. We've already hunted werewolves. Demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Okey dokey.
0: Prepare yourself. You will not beat awesome. us. For the end. I have vision somehow. Make it stop. Make it shut up. <laughs> You're not going to survive this. Evil,
1: the final season. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus. All righty, we're back. Here on the Parastile Podcast. Uh did you enjoy your break, Keely?
2: I did. Super fun. long.
1: Fun. Did you go for a walk or what did you do? I
2: did walk around the block, Ryan.
1: Yeah, I did uh did a few sets of uh, you know, some squats <laughs> and uh and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's, uh he's trolling. This, this, you know, what are we doing? I, that's one of the jokes we do on the podcast Champions. Like, what'd you do on your break? Um Just yeah. for
2: people who don't know, it's a 15-second break for us.
1: Yeah. It's Very like, quick. It's, it's really quick. Um, all right. Well, we got some voicemail questions why don't we start uh, we'll do what we'll do a voicemail then we'll do i think we have one email and then we'll we'll switch so we'll do a voicemail email voicemail we'll start off with the voicemail
0: hello this question's for ryan and keely third time's a charm here so anyways uh, i was just calling because it seems like i've heard in the past mike Chiefs talk about how he's not used to having the backs that he currently has like in the past step before he transferred and then Vi, and Carr, you know, that size style of back in this air raid offense. But it seems like he has, you know, a prototypical air raid style of Scott back or in speed slash speed back in Keenan Christen. But it's just weird because it seems like Keenan Kristen really never sees the field unless there are in- injuries. So it seems like he has a back that he normally has, or at least is looking for for an air raid. But then the guy never plays unless he, he, you know, there are injuries in front of him. So, anyways, I was just wondering if uh, maybe there's a disconnect or something I'm not following. But if you guys could give your thoughts on that. fight on, Jason, only long country.
1: Yeah, Jason left a couple of voicemails earlier trying to uh, convey those points. and Oh. Maybe, you know, didn't quite get it. It didn't come out exactly the way he wanted. So, it's, that's why I said third time to charm.
2: Got it. Okay, I didn't know. This one sounded good, wrong, Jason. Ryan. Yeah. yeah, well done, Jason. Very consistent.
1: Uh, yeah what any thoughts on uh using Keenan Kristen and we, we haven't seen him this spring
2: yeah well we haven't seen him this spring but I know that Jinx has talked about weight is a key thing for him and I believe coming into the season Kristen was like around 173 178 in between there which is skinny that's that's pretty light for a a back and so i think jinx said he wanted him more in the 190 range um so i think that was the biggest issue for why they didn't want to play him as much and then just pass protection wise um he was because he's smaller he wasn't a guy who you could put out there and be like okay we know keaton's going to be protected and that's something obviously you want to ensure given the history of usc's quarterback so i think that was an issue um and and the thing is, is if you don't have a guy who's consistent in pass protection then he's a guy who's like a specialty guy that Defenses can key on, you know. Okay, that guy's in; they're gonna hand the ball off. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So it's it's a it's an issue in that sense. But I think it was just because he was smaller. He's not the size that Jinx wants, and he can't really do much about that.
1: Yeah, it's the whole running back rotation. It's tough because they just have not been very effective running the football. But Keeley brings up a good point. I mean, there's other aspects to it. You know they they do want to see you pass protect, and if a lot of times when the offensive line have problems and they're, you know, maybe not picking up the right stunts and you get a safety or a linebacker coming free, you want that running back in there to, uh, you know, make the stop and, you know, just, you know, put, put a body on that free rusher and protect the quarterback and give them some extra time to get rid of the football. So I think it's a big part of what they do. We did see, you know, they talked about doing some two back sets. We've seen some of Smell that, of it, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times, though, they're you know might be used as a receiver. It's like less of a lead blocker kind of situation. But they're you know, I they talked about wanting to find like featured back. I don't think it's going to be Kristen right now. Just from watching, um, you know, Deontay Ingram, like he's looked Keontae, like yeah. I'm sorry, Keontae, sorry. <laughs> Deontay, sorry, Deontay so. yeah, Deontay Burnett. <laughs> like wow, I got screwed those up. But you know, Ingram has looked um, like a. Like he could be the guy to me so yeah. far, uh, yeah. you know, and and you know Vavai could, and uh, I think Stephen Carr could. I mean, they they've got some options there. You know, Brandon Campbell I thought has looked pretty good, and having Kristen not out there is not helping him for sure. You know, yeah, that's definitely um,
2: not going to help. And that, unfortunately for Kristen, just the way USC's. L- offensive line played you kind of need a guy who's going to be a bruiser who can like burst through that first contact because you're going to get hit like right at (laughs) pretty soon once you get the ball in your hand so it's not a great setup for him just the way his body's constructed but I thought you know, Ke- Keontae Ingram has been impressing me because I feel like he's one of those guys who is not slowed by the first contact. Like he still keeps running, and I think that's something that USC needs because they had someone kind of in that with Marquis Step, and you miss that type of physical. I'm going to keep running even if you touch me type of guy. So, yeah. um I like he's a guy who you hear the pops a little bit when when uh, we were in the Coliseum too, echoed a little bit. So uh, I'm impressed by him. So. I think it's I think he has a spot.
1: He has a he looks good to me. I think he can catch the ball of the backfield. This is more of the offense he kind of ran in high school, I believe, than mm. what they were running at Texas. He just seems pretty comfortable out there. I know there were some fumble issues uh later on in Texas. I haven't seen that no. like this fall so far, at that. least from what we've seen. Um, but just you know, at first glance, he was like, Yeah, that dude could play. Like I would not be shocked if he was you know, one of the featured backs or the featured back at some point, even with the veterans that, you know, USC has coming back. But they, I I think, you know, to Jason's point, I think there's more, you got to fix some of this run game stuff. And it's not necessarily about, well, why aren't you getting this guy touches or this guy catches, but you just, you want it to be an effective weapon and not like the thing you have to do because you can't pass every down. Like that's where you got to get, you're going to get in trouble. There's going to be third and shorts where, What do you do? Do you put two backs in there or an H back and just and run some kind of power? Run something where you you know you you're probably gonna hit the line of scrimmage and are you tougher and you push forward and get the yard and and make the first down? They have not been effective at doing that, and it just it did feel like the run game was sort of like the necessary you know like I'm eating this you know you want a food analogy there we go amazing meal and it's like oh I got prime rib and I got these garlic mashed potatoes and stuff and the running game is sort of like the the green thing the Brussels sprouts that you're you know
2: okay i'll take a couple bites
1: the carnivore doesn't necessarily like it's on the plate but it's like that's not i'm more about the steak and i'm more about the potatoes yeah um you need you know you want to see more of that where it's like it's part of the it's it says you know wow these are like Brussels sprouts made with like bacon and uh you know some kind of grease it's like oh man they're they're tasty and (laughs) There, there is, you know, I would have this bite as much as I would have the other bites, and that's just not, the the running game hasn't been that for USC.
2: Yeah, uh, someone made a meme that you were choosing dating uh, analogies. I that. that. was great. <laughs> Shouts to whoever made that. I'm I sorry. I did, like, getting one did
1: dating it. analogy, you know. Yeah,
2: but, but people miss the food analogies, right? Yeah. But, probably. no, I mean, USC's running issues are so, I feel like there were so many l- layers to it, you know, you have an offensive line that's not getting pushed or not picking up the correct guys when they're stunting, and then you have uh, running backs who, I, mean, I feel like Stephen Carr got a little bit of happy feet at times. He just would kind of juke a little bit and not yeah. just burst through the hole. And then you have a scheme that sometimes was just so predictable for, for defenses to key on. So it all of that does not combine to a healthy, thriving run game. And so I think it just gets it got more stale as the season progressed in that sense.
1: It did. What was the game? Was it the UCLA game where Vavai like had all the rushing yards and like nobody else was effective at all? Or was that the I think that
2: might have been was Washington the, State.
1: Watches, yeah, was, he had like 100 yards rushing but like he had like five 19 net. carries and it was like everyone else had like, you know, 5 carries for negative yards or something. Yeah. It was just so weird like stuff like that like yeah, you just don't want to see that, you know. And I get like a lot of the old school USC fans are like from the student body left days and so I, I think for the most part they've been pretty sympathetic. Like, hey, you know what, this is a really effective offense. But you even when these offenses are effective, you can run the football. And it just seems like it's been such an afterthought for USC. It's just not been the focus, you know. And really for the first first time in a couple of years, you have kind of a, a high ranked running back recruit coming in. So maybe that helps a little bit. Yeah. You have a high profile transfer coming in. Um, now you lose a guy that was a fan favorite in Marquis step. He was, uh, you know,
2: he's injured he, again at Nebraska.
1: Yeah. That's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. But you know, he was someone that the fans could get behind. Um, so now that, you know, they're going to, you know, you got the like the, the steady Vavai, you know, Malapai, but like,
2: yeah.
1: he's got a lot of fans. Uh, you know, if Steven Carr had fans just being a five-star recruit, you get that, yeah. you know? Um,
2: yeah I mean for USC's run game like it's one thing if okay it works at times when we need it to but we're just torching guys in the passing game but that it got to a point where there was so much pressure on the passing game and on Keaton himself that it just it it hindered what you're supposed to be good at in that sense so then you just were kind of flailing a little bit on both sides of the spectrum you know like okay we're, we need to rush and now we can and okay we need to pass and now these balls are, are fluttering you know it was it you want Keaton to be comfortable that he can do whatever he needs to uh depending on the down and distance so yeah
1: R.J. Abadia did a good uh like analytics piece on USC short yardage situation stuff and uh as you can guess it was not not positive uh Pretty much historically bad how bad they were in the short yards. Yeah. Yardage game. So that's something they need to address for sure. I don't I don't think you know, you can throw the ball, you know, 70 times a game, but I th- I think you still need I don't that's not gonna be USC. Like they're gonna throw the ball, but you gotta have an effective run game.
2: Yeah. You just you need to be effective in what you can do. And that's what I was saying. Like your run game was then hurting what you were successful in. Yeah. So
1: it, you need to fix it. All the pressure was on it. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. We we kind of labored. That was like a ten minute answer to a question. Sorry.
2: Well, we had to for every voicemail that Jason left, we had to add more minutes on. We did,
1: yeah. Since it was third try. Yeah. Uh, So I should have saved the other ones and played them. Just you know, (laughs) it's funny when people like start leaving a voicemail. It's just like abort. You know, like it's fine. I mean, you know, sometimes I see like wow, we got like ten voicemails, but like five of them are you know aborted attempts so
2: as yeah. people who speak for a living i understand it it's right. not it's not an easy thing to do
1: and i think some of it is just you have to shrug, like you're gonna say things that aren't clean all the time
2: you just gotta roll with you it you just gotta roll with it it's mm-hmm. like i it just
1: you know i don't care if i screw up like oh i said that wrong you yeah know, just Keep moving on.
2: You just roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have an email from our buddy Dan, class of 1962, and Oliver. Last week we got a, a dog picture. Uh, we got a different dog picture this week from a different uh, listener. Yeah,
1: Junior from Moreno Valley had his- Shouts uh, to
2: Junior's dog.
1: Yeah. So we, we, we're I, I read that email on the Harvey Hyde podcast, but people Ryan. can't see the, the picture. Yeah.
2: The dogs are for the Keeley podcast.
1: Oh, sorry. It's well, a new
2: rule that I'm- uh, in... He said Harvey Hyde specifically. I oh, believe. okay. Yeah. Just kidding. Never mind. That that can go to Harvey. Yeah. Okay, so we got an email from Dan. He says, Hi, Ryan and Keeley. Thanks, as always, for the great reporting on what is happening during spring practice, especially noting the standout performers. With the transfer portal, decommits, and the like, and the lack of media guide from last year, it's hard to know much about the USC roster. Your reporting helps with our roster familiarity. In the good old days when a player was on the team for four years, we were able to really get to know the players. My question for you is about the new Pac-12 commissioner. Thank goodness we are finally getting rid of Larry Scott, but who do you see as the leading contenders for the position? We need strong." strong Pac-12 leadership if USC and other conference schools are going to receive the best national recognition fight on and win Dan class of 1962 and Oliver P.S. Oliver's hero is George Tirebiter although he does like Traveler as well
1: nice uh well hopefully Oliver's doing well yes not sure how you know what his idol is but that's okay I mean it's he what...
2: said that in the email oh you don't know how Dan knows that
1: yes <laughs> you looked at me when you said that so I was like what no I knew what you yeah you were saying um I love that Dan. Like starts off talking about you know a transfer portal, no media guy, and all this stuff, and you then never like know. Larry Scott. Like oh, oh okay, it's a the,
2: journey. The Danny emails are a journey. There was
1: a journey. Yeah, there's uh They're not formulaic. They're sort of like you know, there's they they take different paths at different times. You know, you <laughs> like I like what you know. You could start off one way and then you completely one eighty and go a different way. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the Pac-12 hired a good search firm, the same search firm. I think Utah got their athletic director from the ACC got their, um, you know, conference commissioner from it's, there was a couple timelines, um, and it's taking a little longer. I think that there was two timelines. One was going to be things got done a little quicker and one was going to be, it's going to be a little more drawn out. And it certainly seems like it's going towards the, the more drawn out ones. Um, yeah, I I think like a guy like Greg Byrne was, you know, he was one of the candidates. Uh, I think they've, you know, he's expressed he's going to stay at Alabama. He was the former Arizona uh, athletic director, you know, like an Oliver Luck. Uh, there's, there's, there's guys out there that I feel like from the, you know, John Wilner, you know, John Canzano, some of those guys doing a good job reporting. I, yeah. I, you know, I read a John Canzano column. He talked to Michael Schill, who's the president of the you know, the, the search firm. So he's like on the the committee, the leadership committee for the PAC-12 presidents and counselors. It was really more about Shill's background and how it became, you know, there was really not a lot about the conference commissioner search in there. Um, but they're, I think they're going to try to be as, you know, formulaic as possible, step-by-step. Step, here's what we're going to do. Keeping options open. A lot of times you go into these things, you know, when USC was looking for their athletic director after Pat Hayden, they hired a search firm and they came out and hired Lin Swan, which, you know, like no, no search firm worth its salt would have picked some guy out of his basement in Pennsylvania. So you had someone in mind going into wow, it. Right? You I mean, that's basically what happened. You, you had something in mind going into it and you hire a search firm for like legal purpose or whatever it is. It wasn't you want someone like this and you find this guy and that's what you're bringing in. There's no logical reason that said like, oh, here's why. Because he's he was the athletic director here and he was the athletic director there and he did that. Like none of that was possible. So I feel like with the conference commissioner, it's hard to find a current conference commissioner or a former conference commissioner. So you're getting, it, it makes more sense. You're getting people that you would project as, hey, this is going to work. It could be, an athletic director. It could be a former athletic director. It could be someone that's working on the media side. And I think there's some of those names have, have come up. But I I have some confidence, Dan, that this is going to be an effective search. I feel like they're doing it the right way. There's some searches that just aren't. You know, they're like, yeah. you have something in mind. And, that you know, USC hired Steve Sarkeesian, right? Like, yeah, With, you had the guy in mind. Like, we want to bring our guy back. Like, yeah. it wasn't, what should we do? Like, no, it was... We're going to go get this guy. Mm -hmm. Obviously horrible, wrong decision, but there was like a predetermined situation. And I don't think this is predetermined. You might make a bad hire. You might make a great hire, but I feel like the process is going to be better than some other processes because it happens all the time. People in power, they want this certain kind of leadership and they don't do research and they don't do a search. I think this is going to be a real search.
2: I think you can, be, you can be more confident about the process they're doing than like you alluded to Ryan, like, Hey, we have our guy and we're just going through the motions to look like we're doing something. So,
1: yeah. I mean, the Sark thing was just like, wait, what? You know, like if you read like, um, you know, Ed Orgeron talked about that in the the book and just like, you know, he was shocked, you know, they, he had a handshake agreement from, from Pat yeah. Hayden, you know, uh, yeah. that they were going to be, he was going to be the guy and, uh, they just, you know, he had other plans and, uh, It wasn't because they did some exhaustive search. It was because like, here's my dude. I know him. I want to get him. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't think that's going on, which is good. Yes. Uh, But all the presidents, all the different campuses have different priorities. And so it's going to be hard to sell it to everyone. I mean, I think at a program like USC or UCLA, where you're in a major market and you're sharing revenue with the Corvallises and the Pullmans of the world, yeah, I mean, there's, you're like, hey, you know, we're, we're carrying the load for most of this. You know, can we get something more? Um, you know, and, you know, if you're the Oregon States and, you know, you want to be able to travel to Southern California and recruit California more. And then everyone's going to have different priorities. And you're trying to find someone that can keep all the presidents happy, all the universities happy, fix as many of the many, many problems that were created by Larry Scott and the hole that the PAC 12 is in right now, you know, starting with the revenue gap between other conferences, you know, fixing the PAC 12 network, um, you know, saving more money than what they're doing now, as far as like being in the, you know, putting your office in the most expensive real estate in the country. Maybe don't do that. You know, they, there's, there's a lot of things you could do to fix things. So there's a, there's a long list of problems, sort of like when the USC athletic director, you know, Mike Bone, came over who actually was at practice the other day and like waved up at us and stuff. It was funny. He wanted to know what we were being charged for such good seats for practice. (laughs) Um, But Mike Bone comes in, Brandon Sosna comes in and there is a, you know, if you had a whiteboard, it would have been full of a level problems. And then you filled like seven other whiteboards of all these other problems (laughs) that were like, and so you start trying to knock some of them out. Same thing with the PAC 12 commissioner. There's a lot of problems. You just got to start knocking them out.
2: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well done, Ryan.
1: All right. We got one last question and uh we'll be we'll be done. Here's the last one.
3: Hey Ryan, this is Curtis. Just had a question about the thousand pound gorilla in the offensive room. You know the one that drops back two deep safeties on every play? Three down linemen. Four linebackers, two dropping to the flat and two dropping to the middle curl area, and, of course, the two corners dropping into deep coverage. You can't get rid of the ball quick like you want to with the air raid. You have to hold on to the ball longer than you normally would as a passer, going against drop eight and drop seven. Are we practicing against drop eight and drop seven? Are we going against man defense, which nobody's going
1: to run on us? Curtis from Moreno Valley. Thanks, Curtis. Um, he seemed like he was calling from uh, maybe a, a mountaintop somewhere or something. You know, like
2: Curtis on the in the car.
1: Usually, yeah, but Curtis, Curtis in on the, the car. road. He, he. I bet you he was listening to the podcast with Harvey Hyde and was paused like, it. I gotta, I gotta call, call it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Normally he's like he sound usually good good sound quality Mm -hmm. from Curtis, but this was definitely a road call. Um, Right now you're not seeing, we're not seeing any kind of scout team looks. We're seeing the defense run stuff and the offense run stuff. Are we seeing like vanilla drop eight stuff? I don't remember seeing much of that. I mean, are you seeing the, you know, the nickel corner like blitzing from the slot? Yeah, like you're seeing stuff like that happen. Are you? Are they running some stunts up front? Yes, they're doing... They're
2: aggressive. They're aggressive. If anything else. This
1: is not a... So, right now, Curtis, I wouldn't say they're, like, trying to throw, uh, drop a whole bunch of dudes into coverage at this offense. Because that's... They're doing... Uh, they're not going to... The USC defense is probably not going to do that. They're working on what they're going to do right yeah. now. And Like, when they do scout team stuff or whatever, service team, then you'll probably have to face that more, but...
2: They uh, the, the USC defense is working on what they need to work on and yeah. not trying to necessarily service the offense right now. That's what the scout team is for. So, um I mean, that's something that they could engineer when they do, you know, 1-on-1s or 7-on stuff like that where they could probably do that better. Yeah. Um but no, we're not we're not seeing the USC defense specifically engineer that to make USC's offense their life harder.
1: Right. Curtis is like big on the whole like he doesn't like the drop eight stuff happening he wants to make sure i mean
2: it was an issue i definitely think it's something that needs to be practiced more but i think spring camp is not necessarily the time for that necessarily
1: yeah i wouldn't say this is what you're gonna do now yeah the byu game sort of like everyone's like oh, blueprint maybe do that a little bit it's yeah. The
2: blueprint yeah i know which is so weird when uh teams like utah just go out and play man it's like what are you doing
1: <laughs> yeah They're like what? That, that was so bizarre yeah
2: <laughs> yeah but no i mean it's something that needs to be worked on, but I definitely think the defense is they're focusing on themselves. They're gonna do them.
1: Right. You know? They're not their job is not to like which help the offense right now.
2: Yeah, sorry to cut you off, Ryan. But no. that's also not an easy task either, because they're sending guys at Keaton's throat right now. Like it's it's high pressure environment. So it's they're getting tested either way.
1: So if you're out there Saturday at the Coliseum, probably not gonna be too loud, you know, there's not gonna be that many people, everything's spread out. But when you hear from the defensive sideline,
2: sack, sack. Like Look at can, Vic Soto. Yeah. <laughs> that is likely him screaming sack. Yeah. It
1: doesn't matter if one of his guys sacks the court, whoever it is, you know, and we're not seeing actual sacks. It's really just a guy getting to the backfield yeah. and
2: Touching basically
1: it. would be crushing Slovis or whoever the quarterback is. And they, you know, it wasn't play dead or they let it go on or whatever, but that the def- you know, Vexoto, sack, he's gonna let you know.
2: Which is hilarious because sometimes it's not really a sack, which gets on shotgun's nerves. So sometimes I'll right. just I'll turn to shotgun and be like, sack just to annoy him. Which but you fun. have to
1: look and be like, okay, that was like I think I think Isaiah Palomao like lined up uh in the slot on one play. It was against just
2: boom. In and his just face. went right. Yeah, yeah, like
1: it was like, <laughs> whoa. Nobody saw it, nobody picked him up. Yeah. There, was,
2: and then yesterday too, there was Tuli Tui Peloto and Drake Jackson just immediately a little crunch yeah in his face so there's a lot of pressure it's it's the defense is always fun to watch it's very interesting
1: you know and i, I was a little annoyed yesterday so we didn't really? i didn't figure this out until later on we were talking with some of the media people around us so uh isaiah i mean i'm sorry isaac taylor stewart and josh jackson are wearing the same number
2: did you just realize this? no 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 oh, they're, okay.
1: they're playing the same position yes and then they were wearing, like, the same long-sleeve white thing underneath their jersey yesterday. Now, one guy had gloves on and, like, socks. So, they higher socks. So, you kind of had to, like, figure. But, they, like, the one that, like, ITS was wearing, like, long sleeves and Josh Jackson wasn't. So, you're like, okay. So, it was pretty simple. Yeah. But from as far away as we are, you know, one guy's, like, an inch taller and, you know, 15 pounds heavier or something or 10 pounds the heavier. The
2: cornerback bodies look kind of the same. From that far
1: away, it's really hard. Like if they're standing right next to each other, you might be able to tell, like with your binoculars. And then their backs
2: are to us. So it's not like we can even see like a face shot. No. It's a helmet.
1: There's helmets on. You can't you can see the hairstyles are different, but we can't see that stuff. Yeah. But I was a little annoyed. I'm like, if you're gonna wear the same number, one of you wears, and this is my rule. Like if you ever go, if you have a kid that's going to like a seven-on-seven tournament or a camp or a combine or whatever it is, and you have like a legit kid wear something that stands out because yeah. when we're like watching and trying to film, it's a lot easier to say the guy with the bright orange shoes yeah. than the guy in the gray sweatpants. Cause everyone has gray sweatpants <laughs> on. So yeah. wear something that stands out. They were wearing like the long sleeve underneath shirt. Stood out. Well, then they both were wearing it. So then I was like, okay, this is not cool.
2: Usually in my notes, I have a six key. So I'm like, okay, how do we differentiate today f- between Josh Jackson and ITS? But yeah, it was hard. I mean, this is why you wear different numbers. Identification is easier that way.
1: I'm still not sure why. Do we know what? Do we ask her and we don't know? Uh,
2: I think it's, in my mind, I feel like it's a signal that like maybe it's a temporary switch to defense.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Moving the, yeah. Because if you. You if, get a
2: new number. But, then it's like, but
1: at this point, would you switch him back? No. Hells no.
2: No. I mean, like, I told Chris, I was like, the cornerbacks are like an endangered speci- species right now. Like, they look so thin when they're just working with Dante Williams. Like, yeah. it's a it's a problem.
1: I mean, you're lucky that you moved a dude and he's not just like, uh, like, who is the guy um, that Michael Castillo likes? Uh, D- oh, Dominic Dominic Davis, Davis, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who was like a cornerback in name only. And I was just like, he's never doing anything. And you just feel bad because he's a good athlete. Yeah. Like Josh Jackson's out there. He's getting second team reps. Well, I mean, there's not that many guys, but, uh, I mean, he looked really good. So that that's, you're lucky that you have him there.
2: Yeah. You know? yeah. No, I mean, he was, especially with Chris Steele when he was out for the health and safety protocol thing, uh, he was definitely getting some run and looked good.
1: You yeah. Know? He did. Um, the, uh, Katie Dixon thing. If you look at like seeing him in person is interesting too. Cause you see, look at him as a little guy. But he's got significant legs. Like he's got some some tree trunks down there. Huh. You know, there's uh yeah. there's some power, I think, you know, behind it. So we'll see. I'm curious to see what he ends up looking like.
2: Yeah, I think they're still mixing and matching guys. Like we're seeing a lot of guys move inside and outside, and so I'm curious how that develops and if they're gonna be like, Okay, now we know where you're best at, not stay there, you know. So yeah.
1: we'll see. Yeah, no, I wouldn't think about moving him. I'm just like, No, no, you know, no, just, no, no, I know. But I was just thinking about like type. Gary Bryan and, and Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely more like a thinner smooth kind of you know
2: in my mind guy. he's more of a slot guy but they've been playing him outside so. yeah which is weird yeah but we've so. seen a
1: lot of uh drake london outside which mm-hmm. is cool yeah, you know a little different he yeah. would go against chris Steele a bunch yeah
2: that's a fun matchup to watch i think it was
1: the first was the first couple of reps of one of the team periods and like they just threw it to london on steel a couple times trying to yeah. See what they could do, but I mean, you could do worse than throw the ball up to Drake London. So
2: yeah, and, and London got a Crabtree comparison by uh, Seth uh, Daggy.
1: Yeah, that's on, interesting.
2: On Tuesday, and Daggy played with him, so, <laughs> so it's a nice comparison there.
1: That's that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're a pretty good show. We have like an hour and ten minutes show. Oh that's we're good. Yeah, we're
2: good I bad. thought it
1: was pretty short, but
2: we're, we're yeah we're never short.
1: Talking a lot of talking.
2: Lots of stuff to cover.
1: Uh, well, it's great to cover it with you, Keely, and it's great Why, to be in person you, with Ryan. you.
2: I know back in the studio. We're
1: back. We're uh, back. what do you got coming up? You got a family feud coming up this week? Family
2: or? feud, I believe. Yes, there's always things in the works, Ryan. Yeah,
1: probably another heard on the sidelines. Hope actually, you guys, not
2: this week, actually. No, no heard it. Yeah, no, heard it.
1: Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the one from last week. Uh, I was sitting in a Tom House. Nice. There, if you haven't listened to
2: it, go listen.
1: I uh, definitely check that one out and uh, you know, follow what's going on over the weekend. If you can't watch, make sure, well, always check out the coverage at uscfootball.com. We'll have a ton of analysis and insights from USC's spring game or the it's spring like showcase. It's like you're there. Chris's yes. notes. It's like you're there. Dude, those notes are detailed. Yeah. So it's check like, them out. It's like, I was there and I don't remember that or I didn't see that. I was like, okay, yeah. Cool. no,
2: sometimes I feel like sometimes during like the one-on-one battles or whatever, I'm like, okay, nine throwing to 15, eight is the quarterback. Like, I, I feel like I have to uh, be an auctioneer with saying all the numbers really quickly. So Chris can write it down because they move pretty quickly in practice.
1: But then, yeah. So you're trying to like, who's doing the rep? Like, here's the quarterback. Here's the bay, Here's the receiver. Okay. Do you say what, the, the play was too because they're starting another one and it's tough yeah yeah to, you know. it's
2: tough that's why like you need a scouter and a writer it's yeah. like it's happening so fast but yeah so it's a team effort
1: team effort for but sure. But chris is killing it yeah awesome stuff so hope you guys go, ch- go to uscfootball.com check it out and hope you guys get to enjoy the usa spring game this weekend for keely or I, I am ryan abraham thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle podcast hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time
0: You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening
1: We need to talk. The acclaimed Showtime original docuseries, Couples Therapy, returns with an addictive and revealing new season. Dr. Orna is back in session, helping four new couples grapple with real issues from religion and sex to polyamorous power dynamics. Collider says Couples Therapy is like nothing else on TV. It's Break Up or Break Through on the new season of Couples Therapy. Now streaming with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Visit ParamountPlus.com to try it free.